You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live weekdays at 9 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. This is NPR News. Coming up, Mitt Romney says President Trump is abrogating his responsibility as the nation's moral compass. We're putting the politics aside and we're asking whether Americans need moral direction from our president. And this is what I want you to think about as Ken Rudin joins us. Take the individual of Donald Trump out of the equation. Think about this philosophically. Does our president, any president, shape our national character? Do we look to our president to set our moral compass? Here's the phone number, 651-227-6000, on Twitter, at Carrie NPR. Think about it. Join into the discussion as Ken Rudin, the political junkie, joins us. Good morning, Ken. Good to have you back. Good morning, Carrie. Would you want to take a swing at that question that I'm asking? What do you think? <laughs> well, if, you know, I, I sensed I mean, I a little kind of, bit of eagerness there. Go ahead. Well, I was I was giggling and almost giggling and listening to the question because one, it's a very important question. Two, every and whenever somebody says take Donald Trump out of the calculation, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you do that? Because because, because you, Ken, I don't want this to be a whole show about no, it's all Trump, about Trump bashing. Trump. Right. What I really want is, are we in a place where we need to consider that our president, any president, sets the moral tone for Americans? Well, I mean, you can make the case that people thought that when John Kennedy was elected, you know, the the, the uh, replacing Eisenhower after eight years, John Kennedy was this new 42, 43-year-old, a uh, new generation with optimism, and a lot of people felt, uh, I guess, a sense of renewal about the country. I think they felt that also again in 1980 when Ronald Reagan was elected, promising uh, an absolute uh, time of optimism. Right. And in many cases, he delivered on that optimism. And Barack Obama, too, who opened up uh, the thought of that an African-American could get elected president, which was, you know, before then thought to be impossible. And yet he won fairly two convincing uh, election victories. So so they there is a sense that the president, the, the United States is represented by its leader, but whether we rely on that leader to give us that moral compass that we so desperately need, and I really do feel that we do desperately do need a moral compass. I don't know if it comes from our, it probably shouldn't come from our elected officials. I would like to think it comes from our teachers and our parents and from within, but that's kind of, you know, more wishful thinking than anything else. I I think what we're really saying is is or asking is our president somebody who exemplifies a sense of our national character? You know, are they the personification of it? Mitt Romney is saying in this op-ed, President Trump is stepping away from that responsibility and then we're asking the larger question as as I think you're weighing in on are there other people we now should turn to for a sense of a collective character? Uh, and wow, there's nobody yeah. like you know something. That's a it's a fascinating question, and I, I think if you gave me a half hour, I probably still would not come up with somebody who who. I don't know Bradley Cooper. I mean, no, really. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you think of all the things that 
that we we see ourselves in ourselves as Americans and the leader of you know, a free beacon of, of, of freedom and and uh, around the world. Right. Do we? I mean, but do we rely? Do we look at the president as somebody who represents us? I guess politically, we certainly have to. Morally. I'm sure more and more people are questioning that uh, that question. But but see, you've put your finger on this too. That we have a sense of American exceptionalism. We so do. do so for that sense of American exceptional exceptionalism. Do we need the person at the at the head of the country to exemplify that exceptionalism? Ken, let me grab a call here from Lena in Rochester. Hi, Lena. Tell me how you're thinking about Hi. this. Yeah, I see it very much in that way that you just mentioned, is that we don't need a leader to set the moral tone. We need a leader who represents the moral tone and who exemplifies the very best of our country and our very best moral character. Um, We need integrity. We need honesty. We need uh, leadership, those kind of things that represent our country. He's an elected representative um, of the people. Yeah. Ken, does that make sense to you? I love it. I mean, I think I think Lena just ended the conversation because, I mean, basically you do need somebody who has integrity and honesty and exhibits leadership and not somebody who sets the tone, but somebody who should be part of that conversation, be part of that representation of the country. And of course, I will say that a lot of people don't see that in, in Donald Trump. Uh, David Leonard, uh, uh column yeah. in, the, in the New York Times oh, yeah. on Sunday was a must read. I mean, it was an indictment from the beginning to the end. And if you, if you take all those faults individually, you say, well, you know, all presidents have had faults. But when you add them up the way Leonard did, it's really an unbelievable indictment. Uh, Colleen says maybe it's more about decorum than moral compass. No, Colleen, I think it is. I think this question really is about moral compass. And she adds, but the respect of the United States and the ability to make deals and negotiate peace or trade, it's how the world views the federal government. And Trump is the CEO. Ken, what you've just talked about with with David Leonhard, what he wrote in The Times, I also think these questions are going to come up in different dimensions during the 2020 race, which is already beginning because Elizabeth Warren is in Iowa. And if you listen to what she talks about, she avoided mentioning President Trump by name, but she talked a lot about who we are and what we stand for. I think she was channeling this idea of a collective character. What what do you hear when you listen to her? Well, I think we all do. I think every candidate does because they Look, look, sure, yes, they're all partisans, and yes, they all want Trump defeated, but at the same time, you don't have to be a raging Democrat or a raging liberal to know that something has gone wrong in this country regarding decorum, regarding civility, regarding decency. And look, let's be honest with you, George H.W. Bush was not everybody's favorite president. I mean, there were so many things like Forget about, you know, the, there was a Newsweek cover about the wimp factor and, and how he de- dealt right. with Willie Horton and all that stuff. I mean, his numbers were pretty atrocious by the time of the 92 elections. And yet when we think of him today, and this is almost goes to what Colleen was saying in the fact that uh, it's not so much that having a um, uh, uh, decorum, because I think George H.W. Bush, for the most part, as president, did show a lot of civility and decorum, but as as the leader of the free world, I mean, people would just roll their eyes and couldn't wait for Bill Clinton in 1992. Now, of course, a lot of people couldn't wait for Bill Clinton to leave 
after nineteen after two thousand. Because so, so by I, the way, Ken, this very question, as I was preparing for the show, I was reading essays that go back to that period of Bill Clinton's presidency, where we were again asking. Does the president have to be a moral leader? What if his personal behavior is at odds with the idea of how Americans, you know, see our moral compass? Pretty interesting time then, too. Absolutely. And the thing is, I mean, I think it's more more black and white with Donald Trump, because I think what he says and what he does from day one indicates this may not be the civility and integrity that people are looking for. But absolutely, with Bill Clinton, yes, there were many Democrats who came to his defense, who defended him all the time throughout the whole case and said, well, it was the woman's fault and it was Monica's fault and it was uh, it was Pauline's fault and all that. But the fact is, is that Bill Clinton himself was a walking contradiction to the fact that he believed in equal, you know, of course, equal rights for women and more advancement for women, while often treating women in his life, uh, not the way uh, men should be treating women. Sonny says on Twitter, isn't it the other way around? Doesn't the moral compass of the president reflect the moral mood of the country? We do have elections after all. Here's Howie in Minneapolis. Hi, Howie. Hi. What are you thinking about? Are you there? Okay. Let me try Jeff in East Grand Forks, Minnesota. Hi, Jeff. How are you thinking about this? Yeah. Hi, Carrie. Thank you. Sure. Uh, you know, we do, in fact, look to the president for uh, as a moral compass, but I think that that is a bit of a problem. Um, you know, it's kind of the dark side of paternalism and patriarchy, which has been here since Pharaoh in Egypt. Uh, and it's a way citizens give away their power. They sit on their hands and wait for daddy to come home and make everything better. That's a problem. It's not It's not a good thing. So uh, there's a saying about it's better to be a producer of hope than a consumer. Hmm. And so that's where we're at as, as uh, citizens in this country. And uh, if people want a better system, they should look in the mirror and go, what am I going to do about it? And it's called... The Inversion of Cause. And if you want more information, and you should have a guest by the name of Peter Block, he would be fascinating. Okay. I, I appreciate that, Jeff. You know, I was thinking as I was listening to Jeff, Ken, that maybe maybe what will emerge from this conversation, we have Sister Simone Campbell and Elizabeth Cobb from the University of Texas. Maybe what will emerge is we we don't ask the president or we don't need the president to set the tone, but we want them to be just a little bit ahead of the curve of where the collective character is, right? Exemplifying the best of us. And that means kind of stepping forward. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think given, I mean... Given the choice we had in in, in, uh, in 2016 with two between two very unpopular candidates, I don't think we, they were looking for either either candidate, Bill Clinton or Hillary. I'm sorry, uh, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump mm-hmm. to be the moral leader of the country because both had terrible uh, things strikes against them. But I do think that I mean I was listening to a lot what Jeff said and when he said that well you know we shouldn't be waiting for leaders to to we shouldn't be craving for these leaders to come in and make things better I think there was 
there was an indication of that in, in like in 1932 when the country's economics were so dire that Franklin Roosevelt could have promised anything and we just hungered for that. But starting with Kennedy and perhaps even going further, starting with the lies that we've gotten from our leaders on Vietnam, on, on any kind of a, a crisis that where the president doesn't tell the truth, I think the, 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 it is up to ourselves. It is up to ask what you could do for your country, but also ask what you could do for you and your community to make lives better because, because more and more people, I think, are more disgusted with leadership coming out of, of Washington, and that goes for Democrats as well as Republicans. Can I, I'm just, since we've talked about Romney, and we're going to continue to talk about the overall question in his piece, how you see him positioning himself as the new senator from Utah. I mean, he clearly sees himself as a national figure. What what obligation, now that he's set the tone, comes with that? Well, that's a great question, because because just like with John McCain, just like with Jeff Flake, just like with Bob Corker, they stood up for what they believed as what's wrong with the government, what's wrong with our leadership, what's wrong, wrong with our president. And then two minutes later, it seems like they would go from critic to sycophant. And that's maybe a little too strong to say that about these guys, but they were not, they would not, it was not a really profiles and courage moment for many of these. I mean, look, when John McCain gave, gave that famous thumbs down on repealing Obamacare, people said, oh my goodness, this was great. But a year before that, John McCain said, I would never, I will not vote for any Supreme Court nominee uh, nominated by President Hillary Clinton. So, you know, so what, I, what Romney is doing is fascinating. He's, he's trying, I guess, trying to have it both ways. Um, he is, of course, his daughter, his, his niece is the chairperson of the Republican National Committee, which makes things even more interesting. But, but I kind of think what he's really doing is saying, look, look, somebody, again, in Leonard's column, Republicans have got to stand up because, because what we're heading for, I mean, if 2018 is any indication, 2020 could be a bloodbath for the Republican Party. But having said that, remember in 2010, when the Republicans picked up 63 seats in the House, everybody said, oh, you know, Obama is finished, the Democrats are finished, and Obama won a second term in 2012. So it's, it's, everything seems to be a snapshot of history, and I know what we're going through now is not a good snapshot for the Republicans, but I'm not sure that what Romney and others of principle are, are talking about may be the same it may be exactly what we're in the middle of when the election comes in 2020. Ken, th- thanks very much for helping us get the conversation started. And, uh, and I'll talk to you next Monday. You just heard a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. To add your voice to the discussion, you can call in at 800-242-2828 or tweet us at NPR. And if you miss us live, you'll find all our shows by subscribing to this podcast. You can send us your questions or comments by emailing talk at npr.org.